0: and welcome once again to another episode of Insightfully Speaking, a podcast by Kardec Group. My name is Adam Osborne and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert as we, along with our guest, look at recent events, news and other interesting things from a spiritist perspective. Our guest this time is psychiatrist and Jungian analyst Van Fonseca. The topics we're going to look at today are conflicts in the Middle East, a master's in witchcraft, spooky goings on in review spirit. And what can we learn from Joanna Giangelis? So let's start as always by having a quick hello with my co hosts. Anne, Umberto, how are you both?
1: Hi. Thank you, Adam. It's nice to be back. Uh, hi, Umberto. Nice to be joining with you again. Looking forward to this session with anai as well, uh, who is a fabulous guest. Uh, we're preparing for the winter uh, autumn is coming. The clocks will be changing next week. The, the leaves are blowing and uh, finally, we're getting a little bit more cooler weather after unusually very hot weather uh, yep. at the end of the summer here in the UK.
2: Hi guys. Uh, I have been traveling uh, a lot recently, and I'm also very excited to to chat about Joanna De Angelis
0: and umberto you were a bit like with us uh you went to salvador just recently and a couple of months ago we also went to salvador we went to see mansanto camino we went to see the um institute Grupo of which i believe you went to as well
2: yeah uh salvador is uh obviously a very spiritual city an important place for everyone interested in in uh mediumship or also the Charity uh, groups that uh, are are very uh, active there, and I had the privilege to to meet uh, some some new people uh, and to to visit the um, very close friends of mine uh, like Florencio, Tarcisio, and and Divaldo Franco.
0: Yeah, it's it's wonderful to be there, and, and and you've been there enough times as well, haven't you? You know these places quite well
1: yes indeed it's uh, it's interesting because if you if you look from a material point of view the cities you know the, you can find a lot of poverty a lot of social social inequalities lots of difficulties but uh, it's i was hearing a recording today's by another author on, on the internet and he says wherever you look look for the beauty and you know there you can find the beauty the kindness and and uh, the love in, in people who who run these institutions who can see the needs of others and uh, provide for them uh, without waiting for, the, or somebody else will do that. They just pick it up and take it upon themselves to put these wonderful projects in place. It's sad that they need to be there because of the, the poverty that exists, but this is the world we live in, isn't it? The world of contrast, the world uh, in which uh, there is not justice as yet.
0: Absolutely. And just to remind all those people out there, that uh, group of Shaila, run by our good friend, Florence Anton, that is the group that here at Cardec Group, we fundraise for via our High Five campaign. And you can find all the details about that on our website, www.cardec.org.uk. Let's bring on our guest, Anai Fonseca, who is a member, amongst other things, of the Spiritist Medical Association of Brazil, the Union Association of Brazil, and the World Psychiatric Association, and she's worked with the diagnosis and research of the relationship between spirituality and mental health, and recently has been running a course about self-discovery based on the spiritist psychology of Joan Giangelis. Angelis. Annie, thank you for finding time for being with us today. How are you?
3: I'm fine. Thank you, Adam. And hello, everyone. It's great to be here among friends. Uh, we, are, um, we have been talking a lot, right, Anne, also. And, and it's great being here. And I will just uh, say that, um, of course, we are in springtime in Brazil. And it's also kind of a strange springtime because it's cold. Everybody thinks that in Brazil it's warm. And, but here down in the south it's cold. So I think we are in the same vibration, let's say.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So let's go on to the first topic that we've got lined up for today. And it is something which I think we should talk about even if it's just briefly. So, at the time of recording, thousands of people around the world, as well as most news outlets, are on tenterhooks, waiting for the latest piece of information in relation to the current crisis affecting the Middle East. With declarations of war, visits from heads of state, and demonstrations amass, the Israel-Hamas conflict has already resulted in hundreds of deaths, hostage negotiations, and destruction on both sides of the Israel and Gaza borders. This is a sensitive topic, and for many, it's more sensitive than the Ukraine-Russia conflict that has been going on for just short of two years. And we know that this area of the world, which is not only the birthplace of the Abrahamic religions, but has also been a key area for merchandise and migrants to cross between Europe, Asia and Africa, was also a hotbed of battles and takeovers for thousands of years with the Egyptians, Greeks, Babylonians, Assyrians, Romans, and many others staking their claim at one point or another. There are many claimed reasons for the recent violence to take place, and of course, no violence can be justified. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this current event, um, but. You know, obviously, it's a very delicate matter. So, Anne, Umberto, and I, your thoughts about what's happening in Israel and Gaza right now?
1: Yeah. So, I think that from my perspective, uh, I I read the just little snippets of the news because the news it can be uh, very shocking and uh, impacting. And one of the things that, uh, with no disrespect to all the people who are suffering is that if i then become involved in being outraged and suffering to the point i'm adding to the energy of the fire so i i uh, i mean people might not agree but the way that i've decided to look at it is we're all brothers and sisters on this planet and um, by the law of reincarnation we know we are born on one side of the border in one life on the other side of the border on a different life we have many lives and once we we really fall into that knowledge and we really discover that we are brothers and sisters and that the happiness and the the well-being of all of us and of our planet depends on us being able to work together that is not taking away anything from the pain and destruction which is absolutely devastating but um what i decided that i do as an exercise for myself in this is to observe the news at a little bit of a distance and to be irradiating love and peace and healing to all people who are being affected so that I don't become also an instrument of the conflict of the hatred of the the misery but that I might try and bring a contribution at least of equilibrium it is challenging at times because the like the news is coming to you from all different directions with different intentions Uh, it can be really um challenging i can be triggered in things of myself from this life or from previous lives as well so i've been quite mindful of that and just trying every day is just sending my love peace thoughts of healing for everybody who is transitioning back into the spiritual world in horrific conditions Uh, and that we may as a humanity we need to find a way forward because we can't pretend that things are isolated they're not really everybody's involved in some way just if nothing else on the energy level so we we really are being challenged to find how can we move forward and uh, not keep doing the same thing over and over again trying to get a different result as they say but trying to see how how can we how can we try and resolve things in a different way i have no solutions of course i mean i'm just a one little person amongst the, the many in, in the planet but that's the way um, i'm looking at it at this time
2: well uh, i think uh, uh, a lot of what we have discussed about the war uh in ukraine is valid to to this moment because uh, a spiritist and actually a spiritualist perspective uh, is based on uh, the most radical universality we can possibly conceive. So uh, we have to avoid taking sides and uh, making quick judgments based on our former prejudice and uh, dispositions towards or in favor of one side or another. And uh, that's the the first step we, we should take to, uh, as and just said, not to contribute to the escalating of, of violence and uh, negative uh, feelings uh, about anything, uh, including this conflict, but anything in, in life, from political parties to uh, family uh, disputes and, and controversies. Um, but also, it is very important uh, in order to avoid uh, uh, hypocrisy and uh, any sort of uh, misguided comparison. We, we have to separate the legitimate claims from two folks, Israelis and, and Palestinians, from uh, the, the deeds of uh, a terrorist group. And I, I think it is very dangerous uh, that some people are um, equalizing a terrorist group with uh, the state of Israel uh, as it was a possible um, comparison, uh, as they were um, both fighting for their people and and so, while in fact no terrorist group on earth uh, ever uh, fought for for freedom or for, for liberty or for justice. Uh, terrorism is uh, the attempt of destroying the other and eliminating the other. And uh, I'm not here defending the state of Israel or uh, pushing towards the, the Israeli uh, narrative. But uh, if we want uh, a solution in the long term, because it's it's a very deep and, and complex conflict, we have to stop... Uh, accepting the the idea of uh, Hamas representing uh, the, the Palestinian people as we should all obviously uh, stop um, accepting the idea that the the Nazi party uh, represents the the German people for example that's uh, not true and that's not uh, acceptable and would only lead us to uh, misguided and and very um, twisted representation of what is actually happening.
0: Yeah, and we can also say that we have to remember that the government don't always represent completely the people that they represent. You know, we've seen this through all the demonstrations that have happened throughout many countries recently, including in Israel and here in London as well, that people just marching saying, we don't agree with this. On on either side, Anna, your thoughts.
3: So uh, I agree with Umberto and Anne uh, in all aspects what they have said, and I wanted to, uh, well. My analysis is from the psychological point of view, in depth depth psychology, Jungian as a Jungian analyst. And also as Joanna uh, Jonah Angelis' teacher, that uh, we, all, we are going to be talking today about that. Uh, but we all know, and people that don't know, that she's bringing um, all the, the psychology that man has developed in, in the last um, hundred and more years with the spiritist knowledge, the knowledge of uh, the spirit, And the impact in that in our consciousness is enormous uh, because she's talking about cosmic consciousness. So we we are in a verge of, um, you know, of another big step in humankind development of consciousness. So why do we still have a lot of conflicts, conflicts from the past with all that we know about? You know, about uh, psychology, about quantum physics, about spiritism and spiritualism, uh, you know, from the East, from the West. Um, So why do we still have this kind of conflicts? And I think we should uh, think of this shift that we are going and that it's kind of splitting humankind, if we can say that, And we can see this in our societies all around the globe. A lot of, with the internet and things like that, that we are uh, always kind of uh, in one side or the other and having this difficulty of analyzing deeply what's going on. So I, I I think when, first of all, when Anne says that she's sending her love and vibrations of peace to everyone in the region, everyone that is in conflict, this is a non-dual approach. This, we leave uh, this ego and the other, me and the other, we leave the enemy. And uh, this aspect of uh, perceiving and, uh, you know, our perceptions also of reality, that I'm very different from my brother or sister or in different cultures. Yes, we are in the ego consciousness, uh, and but the, this shift of consciousness—what Jonah Jones says about cosmic consciousness—that we are heading towards this development, new development of humankind—it's totally non-dual. Okay, it's when I really—all big religions and philosophies all around the world there are, you know, come from many, many hundreds, millennia, they say what? We are brothers and sisters, we are um, sparkles of, you know, this divine uh, aspect of life, the creation of life. It doesn't matter how you want to define it. God, the, tr- the transcendent one, ultimate uh, reality, unity, wholeness, plenitude, doesn't matter because it's not going to change the fact that we come from this, um, this dimension of light, peace, love, and creation, loss of creation. So, uh, okay, but to get there, to humanity get to this point, so we have to know ourselves deeply, and uh, people that haven't uh, watched, I uh, strongly advise to watch face to face. The name of the the interview with Jung that uh, originated uh, "Man and His Symbol," the only book that he wrote for general public, and there is one one a small part of the interview. This was in the 1960s, something, two three years uh, before Jung died. Uh, so he was very much the wise old man at that point. And uh, Freeman asks uh, Jung, what is the origin of evil? Okay, it's a great question that I think, uh, if we are talking about terrorists, fanaticism, Uh, fanaticism, war, okay we are talking about our shadows uh, and our collective shadows that uh, still remain and that makes us angry, resentful, and etc etc so when Morgan Freeman asks Jung what is the origin of evil and Jung says man, man is like humankind is the origin of our evil. And we know far too little about ourselves and and the psyche, of course, our psyche. So, okay, Jung says this in the 1960 something. And I wanted just to bring everybody back to uh, 1400,000 years ago, 1400, um, sorry, 1400 before Christ actually the oracle of delphi what everybody knows that what was written in the oracle of delphi in the temple of apollo it was written know thyself so uh, we don't have okay our all that we developed of psychology Until Drana de appears and uh, Alain Kardec and bringing all this knowledge of our our spirit, as Anne said, that that we we reincarnate because one lifetime, it's logical, wouldn't be enough for us to kindle a light uh, in our souls, as Jung says. The purpose of existence is to kindle a light in the depths of our soul. I think it's a very beautiful a sentence that jung said so until we do that uh, and to do that we have to work with our shadows we will be making wars and uh, you know millennia passes because uh, to the, the depths of our psyche our collective unconscious space and time are, are totally relative so like 2000 years maybe mean nothing If we stuck to old patterns, archetypal patterns of enemies, of seeing my my brother or sister as an enemy, and we don't understand that we are uh, really brothers and sisters in the deepest way possible, we are here to learn. We are here to actually kindle a lot of lights, not only one light, and we are going to do that together. So always when we see the other as enemy, it doesn't matter the culture, the history, we are in the shadow of our, uh, and in the darkness of our souls. I'm not judging uh, because it it's not um, like we don't have uh, the right to judge each other because it's very specific, as Anne said, um, only someone that has felt, uh, dear ones dying in a war cannot the, understand the pain, but I just wanted everybody who's listened to that to understand that the pain and separation are felt by the ego consciousness and our understanding of ourselves in this lifetime. What Joanna is trying to help us is to go further than this lifetime and to understand and not project even in the afterlife um, you know, uh, a thought that I'm going to be exactly what I'm here today. That's why spiritist knowledge is so, so important in spiritualist uh, religions all around the world because when you really try, it's like Alain Kardec said, uh, faith with, with reason, right? Reason faith. So when we really try to know ourselves, to understand ourselves, then we will understand that it's no point at all in fighting or in projecting an enemy that it's really within each one of us. The enemy is our shadows, inner shadows, what we don't understand and that we project onto others. The land that I have to conquer, it's inside of myself. It's not outside of myself. So I think that's for now, maybe it's enough.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Annie. No, it's wonderful to hear hear those thoughts, especially the, the the links with uh the works from Joanna as well regarding this kind of thing. And you're right, within spiritism we have so much that we can look to as reference regarding this. You know, the Spirit's book, nine question nine hundred and nineteen, uh the <laughs> how to overcome all evil, know thyself, uh chapter eleven of the gospel according to spiritism is all about love thy neighbour yourself. This wonderful message which we've had writ- at least written down for over four thousand years you know it's nothing new we've known about it as a as humanity for a long time but while you're talking there's something that came to my mind and it's actually a, a poem um writ- written in sanskrit um called uh ragupati ragava and it's it was the favorite One of the favorite poems of um, Mahatma Gandhi, and when I had the privilege of having an interview with his grandson, Aaron Gandhi, we talked about this. And part of the lyrics are this, all names of God refer to the same supreme being. Lord, please give peace and brotherhood to everyone, as we are all your children. There's some really good uh, sung versions of this poem, which I'll put in the link for this episode. But all that just came to my mind while you're talking. But let's move on now to a few more light-hearted topics. And we are at the coming up to the end of October, near to Halloween. So I thought it would be good to look at some spooky studies that have been announced. The University of Exeter here in the UK has opened a master's degree in magic and occult science. The program, which is part of their school of Arab and Islamic studies, allows students to delve into rites and rituals from the occult texts of major religions, to study the history of witchcraft and even phantasmagoria and illusions from the time of Kardec. Unfortunately, from what I've been able to see, there are no mentions of Kardec or Spiritism in their reference material. But would this be a course that would be of any interest to any of you guys? Would you be willing to study it? And do you think that this kind of thing could pave the way for more formal studies of Spiritism?
1: If I just dive in there, it's just interesting because... uh in which kind of approach will they be studying it i think it's i think it's good to bring things together to put them under the microscope if you like of academia Um i think that uh, there is an element that i think might be lost maybe i'm wrong and um, is because a lot of our studies are very materialistic so even things like um the occult and, and witchcraft and everything can be viewed from a materialistic point of view as well uh, and when you're thinking that we are trying to embrace our spiritual side our energy side um, then I I just wonder because there is a difficulty uh, as far as I see in putting the boundaries in, in terms of studying it when it's so subjective but of course and I, in the world of psychology we have this problem of Subjectivity as well. Um I think it's really good. I think it's always good to study and to bring things together and to compare. Um I think in the past there might have been some things were not allowed because of the churches and things like that. So they were they were banned and put under in a cupboard, locked away, not allowed. But now and we live in a time where everything is revealed, if you like. All the doors are open, all the masks are falling, everything's coming up. And it's about Uh, i think maybe try to make sense of things where do they fit what do i think of this i think that uh, if we look at humanity uh, well uh, anybody who's an anthropologist not my case would potentially say that there must be uh, some kind of practice of uh, these kind of things since time immemorial it's part of our humanity but uh, i think particularly in the west and because of the christian churches it was kind of put aside and not allowed so it was done undercover there uh, on the um of, by marginalized people and so it, it was a lot of misunderstanding who come into it i'm really curious to see what they're going to come up with i think that uh, uh you can't take things lightly because the, there there is the energy there is the invisible world exists and uh you need to approach it w- with um respect and, and dignity and uh if you think that you know um i just think if, if people you know they make jokes about it i think there are lots of movies like that people like oh get the occult, make a joke of it and then they end up in deep trouble Um so i hope that it will it will bring light to things and uh, i'm curious to see what they will publish Will I take the course? I don't think so at this point, but I'm I'm, I'm glad that things are coming up and that they are being made available to study in places of study, like universities.
2: Well, um, about 14 years ago, I was making my uh, PhD in in Germany, uh, in the Martin Luther University. And there was uh, a two centuries old library there uh, on es- esotericism and, and, and magic and, and mysticism and so on. And uh, I found all of Kardec books there in, in that library. And uh, because it, it is an old library in Germany, it it had a, a very explicit uh, eurocentric and, and scientific uh, approach to all sorts of spiritualism and you could spot that um, although interested the organizers uh, of that library they had a, a small bias or prejudice against the, the subject itself. So I, I only hope that uh, we we can start studying these these issues uh, in an unbiased way and we don't need to, to take uh, a, a, an explicit spiritualist approach either, but we, we could uh, just discuss uh, what, uh, what is behind these claims and, and all, all these beliefs and, and research that ha- has been made for hundreds of years. And recently, this week, <laughs> I was in, in the Brazilian uh, Congress of Psychiatry with uh, my colleagues. And uh, we we experienced uh, great uh, success, so to say, in, in our table on um, the, the proofs, the the um, available evidence for the survival of the soul and human consciousness after bodily death. That's something that could not happen ten years ago or fifteen years ago, and. Uh, it is not only possible, but uh, it it raised a a, a very intense discussion. And we were um, um, people from from many areas, like hospital directors and many scholars from uh, the entire country uh, wanted to to chat and to talk about uh, the evidence we we presented and so on. So um, from. 15 years ago or 10 years ago to this moment i think we already experienced a a dramatic uh, shift and a dramatic transition in the way academic life um, deals with um, paranormal or or the spiritual experiences and uh, i i think the media and uh, the population did not absorb uh, all uh, the changes that we we have been experiencing in academic life uh, uh, yet.
3: So I'm very glad uh, that um, and I have a company, uh, the book, the the science of life after death that uh, Alexander and Umberto and Mariana have written. Uh, because, like ten years ago, in the Brazilian, I helped Alexander to found the commission in of spirituality and uh, psychiat- and religion and psychiatry in the Brazilian Psychiatry Association. And around ten years ago, uh, there was so a meeting, uh, and the question that was posed to the public was. Uh, do you believe that the mind is a product of uh, the brain or uh, that the brain produces the mind? So the spiritual position and the materialistic. And then uh, in the beginning, the question was posed to the audience, all psychiatrists. So it was like 70% of the psychiatrists would say that the mind is the product of the brain. So the materialistic uh, point of view. In the end, with all the researches and um, you know thoughts about science, developments of science, after the two, uh, it was like a, a debate. So after the two talked, uh, we asked again for the audience, and it turned like seventy percent agree that uh, with Alexander that the mind uses the brain with the spiritual. Um, thoughts. So this is happening. We know uh, around academia is changing little by little around the globe. as you said, I am in the World Psychiatry Association. I'm an executive committee member. And uh, so around the globe and in, in England, actually here in Brazil, I in the South I create I founded with other colleagues the Department of Psychiatry and Spirituality. So uh, why? Because of the researchers, and for some reason, the media, kind of, and the status quo—they um, won't acknowledge all of this development in science. But since we develop uh, with science, and science is, you know, the sci- like the we use the reason to. To observe and nature, and we are part of nature. The psyche, the mind, is part of nature. So, what it's difficult because we have to observe deeply ourselves. Then we go back to the Delphi Oracle. But anyway, so um, so it's it's changing. So now we you have people like Umberto Alexander, uh, Marianne, and other researchers all around the globe uh, researching like uh, Cloninger, Robert Cloninger, uh, that uh, comes uh, in uh, through his researchers with the self-transcendent aspect of personality. And we are studying paranormal experiences. So what what do people mean with occult? In the Middle Ages, like Anne was saying, OK, we would burn the witches, the medians, and the healers, actually, mm-hmm. because we were all ignorant and we were in the Dark Ages. But since now, we have developed a lot of our science. Uh, it's like a ignorance, I, I understand. If we look disrespectful, as Anne said, at what we call the occult and magic. Why? Because the occult is simply, simply, what has not been revealed yet to our consciousness. And we, we can also think what we don't understand yet. Then we call it the occult and we are always afraid of it. Right. But see, I, I would t- take the course if they would talk about Jung <laughs> and they would be <laughs> in this sense and, would, and they would bring the researches on the field. I myself uh, uh, am coordinator of uh, national research, that uh, it's also in partnership with Professor Lionel Corbett uh, from Pacifica Graduate Institute. He's a very well-known author in, in what we call the religious function of the psych, and that, as you call this, um, this religious and spiritual dimension of our psych. And he's professor of uh, depth psychology at Pacifica Graduate Institute in California. And we are doing a research, so I'm coordinating here in Brazil, we are doing a research in what science now calls anomalous experiences, so that we won't call spiritual experiences in the past, because then it's kind of biased. You are already saying that it's spiritual. But if we want to be strictly rigorous with science, then uh, anomalous experiences uh, is the way that we are uh, trying to observe this kind of experience. But they have to do with paranormal, you know, uh, phenomena that has always happened to mankind. And I just wanted to remind people that uh, Jung's uh, monography in, you know, his final thesis in medical school in Switzerland was on the psychology and pathology of the so-called occult phenomenon. So if the course is honest and it's not only, you know, wanting to create something interesting for people, but like, uh, as Anne said, if it is uh, scientific and is respectful with tradition and with science, then they would have to have um, people that understand and you have lots of people, you know, have uh, many in England Uh, Jungian associations, for instance, and other authors also, but um, uh, authors and scientists that really uh, study occult phenomena, paranormal phenomena. And also, I wanted to say that Jung considered, um, everybody knows that he treated uh, a a Nobel Prize uh, physician, physics, actually, of physics, not physician, physics. Um, that um, and from this partnership uh, they created um, the term of synchronicity, synchronicities also that we can talk about later if you guys want. But the main aspect and that's really you know a totally an opening to this new paradigm in science uh, the spiritual paradigm that it, we are going towards it because materialism cannot answer anymore, any longer, all the complexities of you know the understanding of ourselves and of nature because we are part of nature. Our psyche is part of nature. So to understand and as I saw and talking in um, in another episode of your uh, podcast. About uh, us being co-creators of our reality and of our world. To understand that, we have to understand that psych is the part of uh, is part of nature, that we are all interconnected. And as Jung said, that psyche and matter are aspects of the same reality. okay? So um, we are deeply, deeply connected. And it's only a way that we manifest our reality that changes or that we uh, perceive this uh, expression of our reality. So if we want to understand that we are all matter and that we are going to finish our consciousness with death and then after death there is nothing, then we are going to have a certain uh, perception of the world and we are going to be, of course, psychologically leading uh, with this uh, perception of the world that we have, but science science is proving, as the wonderful book that Umberto is uh, one of the authors, science is proving that uh, materialist uh, uh, vision um, doesn't, you know, cannot answer everything. And it's kind of dying in a sense, uh, this way of seeing the world, because it's simply, it's not complex enough. And, uh, and it doesn't answer to all our existential questions. From where we come, come, what are we doing here? And where are we heading towards? Right? So if we talk also, I just want to finish, finish my talk, talking about uh, magic. And what is magic? The um, the world, as Professor Corbett says, is disenchanted with materialism, vision. So we lost this enchantment that gives us a psychic life, you know? And if uh, uh, courses like that would be um, respectful to this inner force that drives evolution, okay, uh, towards, um, and we are part of nature and nature is evolving, so we are also evolving our consciousness towards uh, um, a shift in consciousness, then it would have to understand not only the traditions of magic, but why the psyche has to develop uh, a sense of magic. Because of what uh, Anne said, we are co-creators. So it's symbolic can be concrete in a sense that I do something. Uh, and in Brazil, we have uh, lots of traditions coming together. We have uh, religious syncretism. Uh, Umberto was talking about Bahia, and it's totally, uh, you know, you can experience the religious syncretism. Everybody goes everywhere and really tries and experiment, not that it's going to say that I, I'm from this religion, but experiment think it's cool, oh, I like the way I felt in the temple, in the spiritist house, in the church, in the Catholic church, whatever. Uh, And this is uh, really something very Brazilian. So that's why it's uh, kind of easier for us uh, uh, scientists and researchers uh, to, um, to go. For instance, we have now like 500 answers of our questionnaires that are totally private and it's totally in the Internet uh, of people describing paranormal um, and anomalous experiences. And we are in in a moment that we are analyzing the experience from the perspective of Carl Gustav Jung's complex psychology to, you know, to just give a contribution to the understanding. So just to say that uh, you know this shadow, uh, sorry, this uh, this magic that can be sensed as a shadow, okay? But if we understand that it's a need of the psych to be in contact with something that it's greater uh, than the ego consciousness, but it's part of us, you know to do magic, to be co-creators and to develop develop our spiritual potentials then I would certainly go to London to, you know, to or to England, to have classes with people.
0: Well, you, you already brought a wonderful segue to the next item, but I think it looks like Anne wants to bring another comment.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was interested. Uh, yeah, it's like you're going back to what you're saying about know thyself. How if we don't know, I can't not go generalize. If say we don't really know ourselves we don't even know the the role of magic in our lives and the meaning of that and uh I, i was just thinking that is so interesting because um it's perhaps that we have been educated let's say i speak about my generation and i just want to link this into saying like the media was not following all these great developments in science and the media has its own agenda, isn't it? But in the past, uh, maybe 20, 30 years ago, you should kind of believe the media. I mean, now I'm very suspicious of the media, <laughs> but it's because you, you can see through some of the uh, manipulation of the masses through the media and to the to what objective, to keeping people under control for, for some reason or the other. And that is why I say like even education, was a very materialistic education, an education for the purpose of fulfilling a job, Uh, still coming from the 19th century, in which you were just uh, an element of the Industrial Revolution, you know, a piece in the machinery, producing the work that you can produce according to to your talents, and that you are created in a way that you are sort of uh, encouraged not to debate things, not to question. do as you're told do it well and you will be rewarded that kind of uh, mentality so you go along for for a long period of time like that and then you realize actually you haven't got a clue who you are what moves you what are your motivations what are the drives that inside you why do you have these uh, different reactions that you are sort of hiding from others because they're not Uh, allegedly, you know, good, you know, uh, you have to be well behaved. So your anger and your jealousies, and all these kind of things, you just hide them under the carpet and pretend they're not there. And they just brew. (laughs) Uh, And it's just thinking like, uh, even when I was bringing up my children, you know, like 20 years ago, it was just starting to say to talk to kids about their emotions, because I was brought up in a time where you didn't talk about emotions. You're told to be quiet and do as you're told, and um, and you know if you're well behaved, you will do well, and if you're badly behaved, you you will suffer in the world. Nowadays, you know, it, you talk to babies and things about their you're feeling upset, you're feeling angry, you're feeling frustrated because your milk didn't come in time. But here it is now, <laughs> it's all okay. You know, you just talk on on a completely different level. So I'm just thinking, like you know, this change that you're talking about now. Uh, and the media not bringing it to the people uh, perhaps it's just progress is inevitable as the spirits of already said and it just comes at some point there'll be a tipping point and it'll just be a whoosh and uh, i remember like when that film uh, ghost came out uh, quite a long time ago now and then suddenly everybody was saying yeah that's how it is you know it, 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 the connection between the spiritual world and the material world i mean I'm probably a bit dated. People might not know the film, but the, the film, The Girl, she has a connection uh, with the boyfriend who, who, who is, who's murdered, I think, and uh, who's having difficulty adapting to to the spiritual life because he's still very connected to her. And I remember thinking, and you know, we was talking with friends, and then we never thought about it before, but when we saw the movie, we went, and went Yeah, that's how it is. Like, we all believe that that, that represented something that we had. Uh, an inner knowledge about perhaps. So uh, I think the the advanced science is is at the head. The rest hasn't followed through yet, but it will at some point. It it will just move forward, and then it will become just common um, uh, culture, if you like. Even things in the West like reincarnation. I remember thirty years ago, when thirty uh, odd years ago, when I moved to the UK. I remember reading one or two books about, um, uh, I think there were psychiatrists doing regression with patients and they were talking about previous lives and it was all very, woo, woo, that's very out there, very on the border, (laughs) very fringe. And now most people you talk to, they, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess reincarnation just makes sense because, you know, we're all energy and we come and go. And I say, when did that change happen? It just happened. And when it happens, I think culture, like, you know, movies and books and stories, they just flood in and then they, they bring the new uh, knowledge through. So I do, I do have hope, uh, it, it will come perhaps it's still a little bit early, uh, for that transformation to come through, but I'm glad because it's the basis in science, the foundations of people who are studying, who are serious, who want to put them on firm foundations. So that we're not building uh, castles in the sand, and, and that we have something that will be solid and and resist, you know, the passing of time and the questioning. But um, yeah, so that was I just felt like making those comments. Sorry, uh, sorry.
3: And what's the name of the movie? Ghost. Oh, Ghost. Okay. Uh, can I just add something because meeting here, <laughs> there's a wonderful synchronicity. Uh, in, happening uh, I, I'm among all the four of us, the five of us because I know there are people in the background and uh, among um, certainly everybody who is watching them because I, I talked about synchronicity and synchronicities are um, meaningful coincidences, okay, because it's the soul um, in contact uh, with other dimensions, other souls. So I just wanted to, there was here in my mind, I was listening to to Anne and uh, there, re- there was in my mind, uh, You Can Do Magic because we were talking about magic and I know it's it's a song about the American group, America. Okay, I think it's from the 80s or 70s. Uh, the name of the song is You Can Do Magic. And then I I, I simply had to look at it and, and I really think you guys, and if Adam can put uh, the letter or reference to everyone, but uh, I just want to quickly say that um, the, guy, the guys from America say that I never believed in things that I couldn't see. I said, if I can't feel it, then how can it be? No, no magic could happen to me. And then I saw you. Okay, that's the beginning of the song. And then he said, I couldn't believe it. You took my heart. I couldn't retrieve it. Said to myself, what it's all about? Now I know there can be no doubt. Then he says that everybody knows you can do magic. You can have anything that you desire, co-creators, magic. And you know you are the one who can put out the fire. And then I was listening to to the what Anne was saying also at the same time, uh, and I thought it was Ghost, but I I didn't I missed the name. So Ghost is totally about love. And then I looked to Adam, and uh, uh, you know above his head there is the word love. <laughs> and then in the chat at the same time, Umberto, sorry, I have to give a spoiler to everyone, Umberto. Said that they have a kitty that was added to the family, so you see how the the love and the magic of uh, people meeting each other in a spiritual dimension bring all this love and this magic, this enchantment, and it's happening now in the in our podcast, you know. So it's not not nothing outside of us. It's something that will manifest when we are together and we are talking and vibrating in this dimension of the spirit and in the force that creates life, that it's love. So I just wanted to uh, tell you that all the synchronicities is going on right now in the podcast.
0: (laughs) Well... A bit more than you all think, because yet again, we've, we're doing another episode where essentially you've already covered the next topic. So I don't know if this point, if I should even carry on with the script or not, I should, but I, I think I will. So, you know, in the spirit of this time of year where, you know, there are many festivals to celebrate and remember the dead and many people ornate their homes with elaborate Halloween decorations and stock up on sweet treats to give to trick-or-treaters, it can be somewhat curious to see how the idea of spirits in the afterlife can flourish even for just a few weeks, or maybe a bit more considering what we've been talking about today. And obviously there are all the folklore and religious connections to the dates at the end of November and the start of November, and searching through all the works of Kardec, he does mention about All Saints Day, and it got me thinking about some of the ghoulish going on, goings-on that Kardec documented. I wanted for us to take a moment to look at one of the stories, which you know, we can find in the Medium's book. It's item 94, about the spirit of Noise Street. Um, so it's in you know, item 94 of the Medium's book, the section of hur- the hurling of objects. And it's also mentioned in the August 1860 edition of Revue Spiri, which was a monthly journal of observations that Kardec published. And the story itself is of a spirit who identified themselves as Jeanette, a rag picker who had been terrorizing the local area by throwing stones at people and buildings, breaking all the windows just to frighten off the residents. It's what modern day films will call pol- poltergeists, essentially. And, you know, during a mediumship meeting at the Parisian Society, the Spirit St. Louis, who worked alongside Kardec, helped to understand things by interviewing the Spirit, uh, Jeanette. And she basically said that she'd been bored and was interested in the alcohol that was available in the house. And, of course, there are many other stories about manifestations through the works of Kardec and the other studies we've been mentioning so far, so I wanted to find more about what you think you guys think of these kinds of stories especially this time of year and why do you think people are sort of on this edge of what looking at the superficial side more than the scientific side of these kinds of spirit phenomena
2: It's interesting that you mentioned poltergeist uh, because uh it's possibly older but the, the first reference of the word comes from Martin Luther, who say that uh, some places seem to, to have a, a, a trickster sort of, of spirit, a poltergeist, uh, a, a spirit uh, that would knock and, and, and make noise uh, in, in a very physical uh, manner. It is one of the, the references we can pick to remember that these perceptions are very old and very universal. And sometimes when we believe that religious doctrine would uh, prevent people from uh, acknowledging this spiritual reality, we actually see that religious masters and and spiritual leaders usually uh, not only acknowledge this phenomena, but they um, are surrounded by them. And it's only after the, the passing of the religious uh, masters that the communities start, uh, out of fear or maybe, I, I don't know which other sociological process, people uh, start blocking uh, the, the direct access to the phenomena and try to domesticate it. But uh, the most interesting thing about Halloween is that it reminds us that uh, spiritual phenomena uh, are a bit reckless, they they are wild in in a sense. And we can kind of expect anything, or at least the the unexpected, (laughs) we, we can usually expect to happen
1: yeah i I, I like the umberto saying the description that it's kind of wild because i think that's what probably makes some people scared not having control over the the situation and uh, when you think about you know things going rattling in the night or the day whatever you're thinking that actually that there is a spirit there that is provoking this for whatever reason boredom or because people like annoying others or think it's funny. And sometimes you say, well, what how do you think it's funny? I mean, all you need to do is like sometimes look at a, a, a gang of young people going to the football or something, and they're doing pranks on each other, and they think it's funny. So the spirits are people, you know, so it's the same. And if you have that uh, kind of uh, jokester mentality, and you think it's 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 funny, you carry that over, isn't it? So in that way, it can be annoying or disturbing or frustrating. But um, on the other hand, if we start thinking, well, there is a person there that is without their body doing it, it takes away the sort of the the fear of, oh, what kind of monster is this? Or, or scary thing that we don't know what it is. It's just uh, other other people that now without their bodies behaving in this way. Uh, I just think it's, yeah, it's interesting because you've got the Halloween and then you've got the Day of the Dead all at the same time. And it's here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's really, it's coming into the winter. It's when the days are getting shorter and uh, uh, the the shadows are longer. There's less light. There's more darkness. I think it's just kind of, I don't know, there might be other other reasons, but I, I can see how that plays into it um and storytelling even like you know we're talking about magic a little bit before but one of the things that in humanity we have is like the importance of storytelling uh in terms of our own identity identity of our group of our family of our clan our tribe and uh parts of the stories of the paranormal are, are part of that as well isn't it the stories of of uh, hauntings and ghosts and things that uh, um that are part of our sort of, let's say folklore, our our family folklore or community folklore. And uh, of which you have, like you're saying, it's wild and you have no control. And that is um, sometimes, I think in the past, perhaps we were more accustomed to be out of control. Nowadays, we have an illusion that we have control of our lives, (laughs) but it it, it is an illusion, but uh, it's just the way that society has gone. We do have control Uh, of some things more than in the past, but things could just collapse very easily as well. So nowadays, yeah, we have food in the supermarket, but all we need to know, remember the beginning of COVID when suddenly there was no toilet paper to be had anywhere, (laughs) and you know, things that you take for granted suddenly can disappear. So yeah, I just wonder about that, about our sense of, of safety, of being okay with the wild and the unknown. Uh, and wanting to predict what's happening next and if we can or we can't and hanging on to what you know what do we hang on to to keep ourselves safe uh, um, in in a sense i know that for myself uh, when i'm very scared i do i do pray <laughs> i do hang on to the hand of my guardian angel because uh, that is uh, my way of uh, dealing with something that's very unknown uh, or worrying, but yeah.
2: Like Martin Luther. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and we, we do know that a lot of the Halloween traditions stem from the old Celtic traditions of, you know, welcoming, welcoming in the winter, wanting to ward off any evil doers, any evil spirits, putting out the lanterns and things, the fires and all that kind of thing. Uh, just maybe thinking, we do actually have a pumpkin lantern. I should have put it on the shelf behind me for today, but I
3: didn't. <laughs> I was uh, actually going to um, to talk about that um, of course, from the depth psychology and what we say the archetypes, so ancient forms in our in the, our transpersonal dimension of the psych as you as we call nowadays uh, Jung's collective unconscious. And um, I, I think this is great that you said and all of you are, uh, remember the uh, Celtic festival. Uh, I think it's in Gaelic word it's Samhain or something like that, the pronunciation. And I just, I think it, it, uh, if we're talking about archetypes, it's interesting that people, of course, I went to look in the internet. I already knew that it's uh, it was a um, Celtic uh, festival, but I didn't uh, remember the name, and that it's a pagan religious celebration to welcome the harvest at the end of summer, when people would uh, light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. But what it's interesting if we're talking about archetypes and ancient fears, because then the the fear reacting to to the occult and the unknown. Uh, it's, um, of course, a pattern of behavior of humankind uh, to uh, react with fear, okay? Because, of course, we don't know what to do, and we are afraid uh, of something that we don't know, we, we don't understand. But it's interesting, because it says that in November, it's November 1st, And, quote, the world of the gods was believed to be made visible to humankind. And the gods played many tricks on their mortal worshipers. And I think this is very interesting because, of course, when we are talking about that, uh, we are talking about uh, symbolisms and ancient forms in the psyche. Because if we understand that we are also part of... Uh, The spiritual realms, as Jung says, the psyche is caught uh, between two dimensions. The physical dimension, our biology, instincts, and all that, and the spiritual dimension. Okay, so, of course, um, if we understand that we are spirits ourselves, Why don't we call ourselves ghosts, right? Oh, because we are in a physical body, then I'm not a ghost. And then the other one, the other consciousness, that it's out of the spirit. It's in the subtle body, let's say, because we, if we can see, there's some kind of material dimension in this. People are calling fourth dimension, the the spiritual dimension closest to our then um, he or she is a ghost and I am not because I am in a physical body. So I'm not afraid of you guys here, but if I see with my third <laughs> eye, my, my spiritual vision a uh, uh, form near me, then I'm going to be scared. Of course, this is what going back to the oracle, um, the Delphi oracle. So it, I, I'm, a, I'm a, I have to know myself. If I understand that I'm also, I could say a ghost. Of course, it's not in the meaning in the world of the world, but I will, like I will turn. I hope you guys are not afraid of my, <laughs> of me. <laughs> if I like pass tomorrow, <laughs> and then I come to talk. I wanted so much to talk to Anne. Now I can go to England without. <laughs> flying, you know, and then I, I come to, oh, Anne, can you talk to me? I want to tell you what's going on here in this dimension. And then she's scared, oh, and I go away. <laughs> you <are the> <laughs> so, of course, I, I would, Whoa, well, what am I different from, you know, two days ago? I'm just joking, but not joking, actually, because uh, we know that when people, Um, go to the other side of life, because it's life, it's not death, Uh, then, of course, uh, we communicate in a different way, right? So we have all this knowledge about mediums, beautiful books uh, by Kardec and other spiritual and spiritist authors. But in England, it was the first time that I I, uh, got in contact with a beautiful author from past century, but in England, everything is today, because you guys have such a rich culture, that it's Ellen Gribbs, I think that that it's the Wheel of Eternity. And she talks about that. I'm not going to give you spoilers, but I think a classical in, in England, from what I understood, is Testimony of Light, where she has, of course, mediumship, but also telepathy, With her disincarnated friend, because they were developing uh, telepathy. So these beautiful books, I think, it's um, wonderful examples in in your culture, because I don't think they had had contact with spirits, and they were doing the same thing. And so it's, um, uh, these are archetypal fears, I think, of something that we can't understand because as Anne said, we have been like doctrinated by uh, status quo and materialism paradigm that um, we are just our egos and we should be afraid of anything that sounds different. Uh, but we can't um, avoid our own nature so um uh, for instance i think ghost is a wonderful example of the movie. i love the medium. i used to laugh a lot and i still laugh a lot with the median that's whoopi-, whoopi goldberg right whoopi- she's fantastic but it's exactly that she was not uh, she was not realizing herself as a median all the powers that she had in, in a sense right so she was like uh, cheating everyone but then when he gets, oh, I'm spoilers, but okay, oh, 40 years, spoilers, <laughs> not spoilers anymore. <laughs> but of course, when she gets in contact with it, and it's all because of love, let's go back of love, because the guy can't, uh, you know, go to the towards the light, let's say, because uh, he wants to protect um, the person that he loves. So, of course, when he gets in contact, because he can see, uh, he uh, she, no, she actually, she could hear him, right? That it's hilarious. I was, you know, it's fantastic. I'm not going to tell any anybody more than that, because I think Anne was very inspired when she uh, remembered, and I just, uh, Ghost, just wanted to give you a clinical example, okay, um, because uh, the patient I authorized whenever I wanted to talk about. So it's a Brazilian guy, and it's also, okay, for 40 years ago when he was young. And um, so we cannot identify, but he went to England and to live um, in a, a city near London, okay, where he, would, um, he was actually hired because he was an expert of uh, what he did. So he went to, in England, every, everything is so, um, like for us Brazilians, it's a lot of money to pay rent and things like that. So he, he was in the 20 to 30, late 20s. And he, wants to, uh, he went to um, uh, share a rent with one of his friends that was already there. And it would be for only a couple of years he would uh, come back to Brazil. So, uh, in when the guy went to the airport to pick him up, the guy was uh, was so cheerful. Everybody, you know, from twenty to thirty, wow, that's so cool. We we are in England, and uh, they knew they were best friends from the past, uh, here in Brazil. So uh, he was talking a lot, so enthusiastic with everything he was going to learn in England. And the the guy, the, his Brazilian friend, who went, who was already living in England, I think for one month, had, had already rented the house that they would um, stay in while they were studying and doing whatever they want they wanted to do. The guy was, you know, very serious, very very serious. And then uh, he said, uh, he he understands that the guy is not paying attention to him. What happened to you? And then he said. You won't believe it. I said, okay, try me. We have a ghost in the house that I rented. They were not spiritists, okay? And they knew, you know, they hardly could speak in English. They didn't know a lot of, uh, you know, I think anything about your culture, about old houses in England. You, you guys have wonderful old, old houses and castles and all of that. And, uh, and then he said, oh, you are joking, blah, blah, blah. So they go, you are going to see tonight. Okay. Because he, uh, we can hear uh, it because it was a ghost. Well, in the end, I, can, I won't, don't want to spend a lot of time in that, but since it's Halloween, we have to, you know, have a tale for people to get a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is uh, in a good way, in a good way. What happens is two 20-something-year-old guys get to the house. But as people of 20s, okay, it could be just a tale that the friend is... um, They forget about talking about Brazil, the families, friends, and all of that. And that, uh, at night, after a certain uh, moment, they heard, like, the gate. You guys have the... I love the gates in England. I keep looking to the gates. I love them. So the gate opening of this little house. I can't remember the what was the the small town, and uh, and then the guy got you know white and said it's him. He's arriving, and the guy said uh, the other guy. Okay, my patient said, oh no, these are are just the water. How do you call the water pipes? pipes, the water pipes up in the in the attic or something. Okay, they heard footsteps, they heard um, going climbing the, the stairs and all of that. So they were afraid, but um, they were, okay, guys, and they were in 20 something, so let's forget about that. We haven't heard about that. But every night the the same sounds would happen. So my patient, who for, he, he, didn't, he was not a spiritist or whatever. Now he is, okay, a, an old wise guy. So he's totally <laughs> open to studying all these phenomena. But so he was telling me in the first contact that he had. Okay. And what happened is that uh, at, at one night he was lying down. And he was uh, in his bedroom and he sensed the presence of uh, the ghost. He could see like in, you know, with the side vision that there was uh, like a shadow. And since we were we were talking about uh, Bahia and all of them, Umberto, you know what he said to the ghost? He said, I'm going to talk with this guy because I can't stand it anymore. Oh uh, and they they had been to the attic because he wanted to prove to his friend I forgot about that he wanted to prove to his uh, friend that it was uh, they, it were the um, the water pipes and when he they get to the attic there were no water pipes okay so it couldn't be that and of course they saw that it were footsteps. but what happens is that he decided to talk to the ghost and he, he was twenty something you know what he said to the ghost. Okay, he didn't know anything about, uh, even about uh, our wonderful Conan Doyle that wrote uh, history of spiritualism in the 20th century, a wonderful book, right? Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. So he didn't know anything about it. He could hardly speak any English at all. But he said, in, I'm going to talk to this guy. And he said in Portuguese, whatever. Um you know, you should go to Brazil, go to Bahia (laughs) and Bahia you are going to find a lot of people able to talk to you, get a plane, the guy said like that, get a plane and go to Bahia, what are you doing here? I can talk to you and the other guy can talk to you, whatever. So it was like a a way that he found to face his fears, Um, he, he can't remember if the sounds went on, But, of course, he should have uh, read uh, Alan Kardec's medium book, right? (laughs) And uh, go and find and learn a lot of uh, literature in England. Uh, But he simply dismissed and went to his work and all that and made kind of a joke. But I think it was his higher self trying to connect to the ghost, whatever. But, of course, like you said, it was only like a spirit lost and thinking he was still living in his house. Uh, but the problem is that if, any, if we get afraid, uh, we cannot train our abilities um, that are ours because we are also spirits in an anchor, in a flesh and blood body, Right. So I think it was just a tale that I remember to talk to you about. As someone that doesn't know anything about uh, spiritist knowledge or spiritualism, uh, that decided to send the ghost to Brazil to go to Bahia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to send them somewhere. And, you know, I think from a spiritist perspective, we can't call the Ghostbusters because that's against the whole idea of spiritism. But anyway... (laughs)
2: Why not sending them them to Bahia? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it happens that I have a couple of ghost stories, which are (laughs) interesting, but uh, also a a bit long to tell. But there is one in in particular that strikes me uh, as very interesting, which comes from a PhD student, an evangelical uh, young man, from from the United States that I met uh, uh, in Oxford. And uh, I, I do not remember how the conversation shifted uh, in, in that direction or uh, drifted in, in that direction, actually. But uh, eventually I mentioned something about uh, mediumship, but just as a, as a passing thought. And he said, you know what? there is a ghost in my college and started telling a very similar story to Anais uh, story to, to what she just uh, uh, presented, but uh, in in a, in a college, which is very likely because they are centuries old, almost a thousand years old. And he said, well, uh, I heard that steps and I could tell that the steps were coming closer and closer to to my door that was very very clear to me and i rushed to the door and opened the door two or three times and there was no one there i rushed to the to the stairs and uh, walked down the stairs and there was no one in the building he was completely alone i, I think for christmas or, or something in in the building and Well, uh, at first he was a a bit scared, but he was a PhD student in theology. So (laughs) he was very comfortable with the idea that uh, that could be really a a ghost and that would be the most likely answer for such phenomena. And I think that's very telling that uh, people around the world, even in the... The, the most hostile cultures like Western cultures today, they are ready to uh, accept the idea after the first evidence. <laughs> <laughs> with o- only some some tiny piece of evidence, they can move to, to that conclusion.
0: As we have Anae with us today, we thought it was only right to take this opportunity to Ask you some questions about your work with Joanna Giangelis. So, Annie, what can you tell us about how your journey started with Joanna Giangelis?
3: Okay, so I was trained as a Freudian psychiatrist um, in my young days of residency and Uh, And of course, uh, since I'm Brazilian and we have uh, some statistics that anomalous phenomena occur in non-clinical populations, so uh, population without any symptoms, okay, any psychiatric diagnosis. So in non-clinical population in Brazil, it's like more than 30% of the population have experience at some point anomalous phenomena, spiritual, uh, have had any uh, different kinds of spiritual experiences. And when I was trained back in the early 90s, um, of course, if someone uh, would see something that only the person was seeing or hearing, Of course, you would uh, um, think of a psychotic uh, breakdown and give antipsychotics, give drugs, so that uh, that wouldn't happen anymore. But now what happens? We all have a calling, as Jung says. We all have a vocation. Vocare in Latin is a call, and it's a call from deep within our own... Uh, souls, right? We know from spiritist knowledge that uh, each one of us comes to this life with like uh, something that we decided we need to, to learn further or to, you know, deepen our knowledge, a mission, whatever. And it doesn't have to be anything that to other appear like something really special, but that it's very special for your spirit and for your uh, develop- development of your own consciousness. So what happens is that uh, my father, like Jung's mother, was he's deceased for more than 20 years now, uh, but he was a medium. And a lot of uh, um, mediumistic phenomena would happen to him. Okay. And uh, my mother also, she was, they met in uh, spiritism in different cities, but they, when they were young, they met in spiritism when they were young. Uh, it is said, and in, in my mother would say, that when she was in the spiritist uh, house, uh, right, center, uh, as she, since she was like 15 years old, she would give, uh, you know, a talk, and they would have to open the doors of the Spirit center because a lot of people from the outside wanted to hear her. But what happens uh, is that she... and I don't think I ever had the chance to say in a podcast all of this, so it's great that I'm here with you, friends, friends from all over that will be listening to this podcast. Is something not scripted, right? Uh, but I think I should say, since we are in Halloween, so the the um, the spiritual realms like we feel closer to and um and then what happens uh she wanted to like uh, we say in the spiritist um, knowledge to give help to give light to the people so she went to be a teacher and she just uh, liked very much uh, she wanted very much to study the development of intelligence and then she found uh, Jean Piaget, the French uh, biologist that studied the development of uh, intelligence uh, in the children. She met Jean Piaget in Paris, in France. So this is, I think it's 1970s-something. and uh, But he was materialist, okay? A materialist. Uh, he was a biologist and wouldn't say anything about uh, spirituality and well, so she disconnected little by little from the spiritist knowledge. and um, they stayed together till the end, but there was like um my father silenced and I am from a big family. I have two other sisters that are medical um, medical doctors. so my family went pretty much. To, uh, the, um, to the scientific side, uh, side of materialist, of course, side of medicine and my father's silence. But if we have a mission, we have a mission, right? And, uh, and we are talking about a lot of suffering with wars and losing people with COVID. So what happens more than 20 years ago is that my father, uh, he was the heart of the family. Okay, he was the, the tenderness, he was a kind of a different uh, perspective. My mother was the mind, the science, and he was the heart. And then what happens is that um, he passed away. And like four months later, we have, a, uh, we have a, there was the fax machine, there was a communication through the fax machine from a, a, a very shy medium. So uh, this meeting had played with my, uh, they were neighbors, had played uh, with my sisters when they were like, um, you know, eight years old, things like that. And what she was saying through the fax machine is that my grandmother had contacted her in the Spiritist Center. Had uh, She had psychographed uh, information. And this was going on some months before my father passed away. And she had totally lost contact with my family for 30 years. Can you imagine that? And then one week uh, before my father um, passed away, she met by chance my father. Uh, He couldn't recognize her, of course, but she recognized him, called him, and was very enthusiastic and gave him a hug. In Brazilian, we all hug each other, <laughs> okay? And gave him a hug and uh, uh, presented herself again. Oh, you know, I'm this and this. And this was people, uh, my father was totally healthy at that moment. Nobody knew anything was going on. This happened, this meeting, it was a synchronicity. It happened one week, uh, previously to his passing, okay. So we put in the newspaper when he passed. He was a lawyer, well, very well known in the community, and like four months later, oh, she said this is always so. It's, it's Halloween, so it's another story to tell about. But uh, there was a, something that like uh, before she met my my father downtown. She saw in the last time she saw my grandmother, like my grandmother was kind of anxious in spirit. She was a ghost at that point, if you want to say. And she couldn't understand very well what my grandmother wanted to say. She said that all in the fax machine. So then one week later, she meets my father and they hug and they talk a little bit. And he says goodbye because he was heading to work. And then one uh, week later, she uh, saw in the newspaper um, that we put that he passed away. It was very sudden. It was an embolism, you know, in the lungs and all the stuff. So it's like, and I had uh, one of my, I think a brother was in London actually. We have a lot of connection to England and London. And he was taking his PhD. So it was just time enough for him to flew back to Brazil, and what happens that four months later uh, this fax comes in, and it said um, the maiden said that uh, she saw some spirits uh, coming, bringing my father uh, to her, and uh, that he was uh, he wanted to say some words. Uh, so it's like thirty, almost thirty years ago that all of this happened. And I, I being the one of the last children in the family, I haven't, I hadn't had a lot of contact with spiritist knowledge. A little bit. We were raised like, um, uh, like in the science stuff, and also in like free spirits. If you want to have a religion, you just choose whatever you want that makes sense to you. If not, it's okay. So I was, uh, but when I was twelve. Uh, I remember one of my teachers asking me what I wanted to... Um, and this teacher now is 98 years old. And it's a great uh, spiritist guy. He's a professor, I was a professor at university. But he uh, reminded me that I, when I was 12, um, he asked me what I wanted to be in the future. And I said, I want to be a doctor of the soul. Okay, so I always wanted. I went to medical school because I wanted psychiatry, and I wanted to understand the soul. So I, I was kind of disappointed when I learned a lot of uh, Freudian stuff. I knew it was important as an understanding of the ego, the mechanisms of the fans, the personal unconscious. It's great. Uh, Freud opened the door to that, um, and even when I was uh, when I was in London. Usually I go uh, very frequently to London, but one of the times that I was, I went to see Freudian's museum, uh, you know, that you you have in London, and I felt very sad. This is many, many years ago, and I, I hadn't discovered Jung yet. And I didn't understand why I was sad, because it's what was kind of my dream. So all of these experiences, as we develop, as we reconnect to our in higher self, uh, Jung's uh, concept of the self, capital S, the center and the whole of the psych. So, and we we can say like your higher self, higher consciousness, and Joanna Janja say, okay, Jung's Self is the spirit. Uh, you know that's Jonah D'Angelo saying. So what happens is that i I was trained in Freuden. Uh, it was not enough, but because of all these experiences of communication of my father, I, so of course, I started reading. I had to have you no know, very little contact with anything uh, from the past of my family. Uh, a spiritist knowledge. Uh, but then I started reading the books. And when you read the book and the ego is in kind of an altered state of consciousness, like when you are mourning, unfortunately, sometimes we have to suffer. The ego has to suffer a little bit to calm down and to reconnect with your, your inner, your uh, higher self in your Uh, inner dimensions. Then, when I read the Spirit's book, because I had had very few content, wow, suddenly everything made, you know, then the connections just came. Then, of course, uh, through the years, I found Jung, and then, uh, of course, a lot of Jungians, not all, but a lot of uh, Jungian analysts in Brazil, are spiritists, because, of course, then you connect everything. And then you find Joanna De Angelis that as Anne says, I love when you call her a light teacher, because she's a non-dual teacher. Of course, she's teaching the light. And what's the light? You can get a Freudian equation of our conflicts when he talks about constitution, genetics, and traumas and our experiences as a child the complex of the mother and the father and all of this but there's something that it's missing in Freud's equation that it's what the spirit so i, I say that freud brought to psychology his great contribution the mind okay the ego the mind the mechanism of defense the personal unconscious Jung brought the soul to the discussion, so our psyche, the way the, the collective unconscious, going deeper in our unconscious, and Joanna D'Angelo's brings to the equation the spirit. So I think this is wonderful. The spirit and transcends. She wants us to go further in the collective unconscious and get. I'm quite sure that she wants, she's helping us to shift, actually even shift dimensions in a sense, to expand our consciousness. Why? Because then you can understand that we are not separate from each other. It doesn't matter the dimension that we are uh, in a conscious, uh, in in consciousness level. But we are all interconnected through the force going back to something that it's written over your head, Adam. In love the word love, so that um, really the wisdom of the heart that knows love and knows the way of creating—that's what this wonderful master uh, that we call Jesus, uh, of course, in our in the West. Uh, came as an example of what is unconditional love and how unconditional love can heal heal us, right? Can create life. And how if we get uh, far from unconditional love, if we uh, get caught and stuck uh, in, in this shadow dimension within ourselves, of the, not understanding our inner, um, the, our deepest reality, then we we'll kind of lose ourselves of this energy, temporarily, of course, but we lose ourselves. So just to explain a little bit uh, why I found Joanna, because she's bringing to the equation something that no author uh, did actually the way she's doing before, that it's the spirit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And and umberto what about your connections to joanna de Angelis?
2: well uh my connection is, is very direct and familiar uh Divaldo, the the medium that is the, the main uh channel to joanna Angelis was the first to know about uh my coming to this world before my mother actually <laughs> uh, he told my mother uh, she was pregnant and, and she said, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> and, and he said, well, yes. <laughs> and he's a friend of your husband, a very good, very close friend of your husband. And um, he, uh, he likes to study and, and just that. And uh, she, she made a, a pregnancy test and realized that uh, Duvaldo was, was right. Uh, she was pregnant for about 1 month or or, or a bit less than than a month um, so my my all my entire family is connected to Joanna Angelis my grandmother uh, founded the Joana de Angelis society in in my city in Juiz de Fora. and uh, she was uh, commentator of of Joan Angelis's work and and also of Givaldo's life. Uh, she's a biographist of Givaldo actually. Uh, so uh, for me, her, her books were always very close and uh, part of 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 the the, the fundamental um, and, and the ground of, of my education. So um, I actually <laughs> I think we we should have an entire meeting about Joanna Gianelli because she totally deserves uh, an entire hour dedicated only to her books, for example, or to her personality yeah. and 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 biography.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I I come from a, a different. Um, situation. It's quite nice that we all come like from different uh, angles to it. Um, I came to know uh, Divardo Franco, who is, uh, as, as Umberto said, the medium through which uh, has sent her psychological books. Um, in the late 1980s, here in London, uh, I had not uh, met him before, and he came and he uh, kind of asked if I would like to be his interpreter, that he would be coming, to the UK on a regular basis, um, to give talks. Uh, and would I be willing to, to try and, and be his interpreter because I was bilingual. Uh, I took on that job, and knew very little about spiritism about the time. Um, and every year when he came, that's when he started writing the books, uh, Joanna started sending in the psychological books about that time. He came, it was a period of 30 years, which he came most years he would come. And we'd uh, go to different places uh, and he'd give talks and I would be his interpreter. And every year he would give me a gift of a book by Shona de Angelis. And I'd get really excited and I'd sit down to read it and I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I couldn't understand. So I went collecting the books year by year. And I said, look, I can't understand the books. It's, I don't know. It's it's a language that I can't understand. He said, oh, just keep them one day, you'll understand. <laughs> and now finally, the days come in which uh, some things that have been able to bring me the key to open the door to her books. So I am just putting it out there to anybody who might have come across run books and read and said, I don't really understand because it, I mean, I could understand the words. But it just seemed like very simple i'm sure there's more to it you know than what i'm reading here i don't get it so i do i do uh think that it is really important to have a little bit of a psychological background to have a uh, knowledge of the the key um definitions and the use of words like ego and self and things like that because uh, if not it it, uh, it doesn't really make that much sense so it's not a book to read uh as a story it's a study book and they are a collection of study books and i i just now okay when we read i understand maybe 10 percent, which is 100 percent more than i could understand before so i'm doing well <laughs> but it's just amazing because it really brings it because i used to always hear in the spirits book know thyself know thyself and I'll say, oh, I guess I know myself. What's What are they talking about? I really didn't get it. And then when you slowly start, aha, oh, ah, you know, the penny starts dropping and you start realizing, well, oh, actually, I don't know myself. And it's uh, just thinking about, you know, getting in contact with the darker side of myself, the things that I've hidden under the carpet of myself, <laughs> uh, which are all part of me. Uh, and uh, it's been really interesting. I am really grateful to Joanna de for having invited me to this project uh, of hers and devaldos and uh, to have that trust. Uh, I wouldn't have trusted myself, uh, that was brave of them to trust me, uh, I had very little knowledge of everything, um, but uh, they were very patient and, and, and called me into this. So I come from a place where I'm very at the beginning, I'm a great beginner, but I'm very interested now in studying psychology and i'm referring closing back to what and i was saying right at the beginning there's that interview with uh, jung that you can find on youtube very easily in which he says the world needs more psychology and it's really it's true it, you know when you say that is meaning we need to get to know ourselves the different layers of ourselves what made us like this how we go forwards how we we develop it's just like for me, it's, it's like a foreign country that I'm coming into and it's very exciting and sometimes scary, but it's uh, a work that's necessary to get to know oneself. And I think Joana D'Angelo, uh, she's uh, helping us, inviting all of us without being psychologists, or psychiatrists or having a PhD to come and say, look, let's have a look a little bit deeper come and know yourself, because that is that is where we need to go. I think, in order to be able to transcend and to move on from the repetition of the same old same old, and to find new solutions for old problems.
0: Yeah, that, that's really wonderful to hear from you all about how you had your connections with Joanna for, for ourselves. It's when we had the opportunity to live in Brazil, um, obviously, for me to go and over to go over there, to live there, to understand spiritism a lot more, studying in a group, the John Giangelo Spiritist Society in in Baja, in Rio, Seja Baja. Having all that knowledge there, it's really great. And you're right, these are very intense books, the Psychological Series. Um, It is something that we're also involved with here at Kardec Group, we're involved in the campaign for the new translations of these works as well. And all the details about that campaign are on our website, so www.kardec.org.uk, all that's there. Okay, well thank you everyone for all your thoughts today. So let's finish now with a moment of reflection. Anne, what have you got for us today?
1: hi so i bought um from this little book uh, recipes for peace by the spiritual energy angelis and uh, i just opened it uh, randomly and it opened on chapter 5 which is called haste so i'll just read it through see if it maybe a word here or a sentence there might connect to what you need to hear at this time impulsiveness is the cause of many inequities that afflict humanity. Anxious behavior leads to states of disturbance, generating perfectly avoidable suffering. Beneath the stigma of anxiety, attitudes are incorrect, fomenting inadequate results for inner edification. For this very reason, the practice of calmness is indispensable for a harmonious journey vis-à-vis the perplexities imposed by modern times. Patience teaches to await the results of any accomplishments which cannot be anticipated. The rhythm of time is unalterable and this is why things happen naturally within time spans that cannot be changed. At the instance of haste, people hear and see by the way of deformed vision, which disturbs matter even further, and with clouded discernment, they plunge over cliffs of misfortune. There is a time to sow, and therefore, understandably, a time for harvesting will also come. It is useless to try to precipitate the facts of life between germination and the filling out of the grain. In the moral field, the mechanism is similar. Each phase has its own period of time, each occurrence its proper moment. So gather your moral strengths in disciplined equilibrium and do not precipitate events that should follow their natural course. Aware that only that which is in your incarnation program will, in fact, happen. Do not suffer in anticipation, propitiating states of anxiety and bitterness which could otherwise be avoided. When suffering befalls you, face up to it with dignity, aware that it is necessary in the way of life's development and for personal recovery in the accounting of spiritual values. As Jesus said, the leaves of the trees only fall by the will of god proving that every event is subordinated to the laws that command the phenomena of the cosmos likewise in your individual world events occur that you deserve and need be patient therefore and never be precipitate you will regret the passionate and anxious decision but never the one born from calmness and ponderation if it seems impossible to bear in peace the problems that afflict you resort to prayer and be soothed by the blandishments of the interchange between prayer and divinity which replies by pacifying you and saving you from haste and recklessness
0: thank you Annie. Well, everyone, that is it for this episode. So thank you for being with us and remember, please follow Kardec Group on social media. Just look out for Kardec Group on all your favourite platforms and also go to our website www.kardec.org.uk to contact us to send us your donations to support our work and send us any questions for what does Spiritism say about. So, it leaves me just to say a big thank you to my co-hosts Anne Sinclair and Umberto Schubert and a bigger thank you to our guest Anaï Fonseca and also a big thank you to everyone who's taken the courage to listen all the way to the very end today So, my name is Adam Osborne and I hope that you can join us again next time for another episode of Insightfully Speaking looking at the world from a spiritist perspective